Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hanks a Lot, the comprehensive and encyclopedic podcast examining chronologically the films of Mr. Tom Hanks. I am your host, Kent Shelton, and joining me this week from Hollywood, California, is our film critic at large, Mr. Trace Oakley. Hello, Trace. And Hello. From the wet and wild streets of Seattle, Washington. He means business. That's right. From Seattle, <laughs> Washington. Half of one word. Where killer whales go door to door, trick or treating, to try to eat outboard motors. I don't know. That may just be a rumor. Our musical director, the supersonic Mr. Kevin Dennis, coming to us from Seattle. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Fantastic. Feeling dry and uh, have had no trick or treaters as of yet. So very good. Are you? Uh, uh, how's how's the weather in Seattle? Is it is it? Uh, I understand you get a cold front coming in. Is it getting cold there yet? It is. We're supposed to have a little snow tomorrow, and everyone is panicking because it's going to be a dusting, and uh, they shut the city down. So well, there you good. go. It's about time. This, these, <laughs> it is. These these dusting punks. Somebody's got to stand up to them. Exactly. Um, every week we gather together and we talk about uh, a film in the filmography of Mr. Tom Hanks, a celebrated American actor. Uh, we have uh, we've talked about I think forty one or forty two or maybe forty five of his movies now because sometimes if it's animated and he's playing a cowboy toy we just lump those together as one movie no matter how many there are uh, but uh, we have gotten to a point in his career where he's doing something for the first time ever he's dipping his toe into the world of science fiction. Uh, this is a Tom Hanks movie, and it's got uh, oh, it's got uh, uh, fembots and and uh, uh, spaceships and all uh, uh, super hover cycles. It's got oh, honestly, it's not mine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a movie called Cloud Atlas. I had never seen it before. I believe that our film critic had never seen it before, uh, and I think that Kevin did see it once before. But it made such an impression on him that he forgot that he had seen it. Uh, let's uh, let's start our discussion of the Cloud Atlas by hearing a review. Cue that catchy jingle. Well, now it's time for the review. Trace, please tell us what is your view. The 2012 film, based on a novel of the same name, Cloud Atlas seems to want its audience to ask themselves deep existential questions. It also seems to posit various theories and spiritual philosophies. Perhaps the first pertinent question is, can a movie follow six different storylines effectively? The answer? Of course. Shortcuts did it, so did Magnolia. But can a movie follow said number of storylines effectively when each takes place in a different era and part of the world? In this case, no. But the larger question and one that should be considered by every personal development gathering, spiritual retreat, large group awareness training, and sound bowl festival is, does the possibility exist that a film can follow six different storylines from different decades or even centuries, two that are actually in the future, and taking place all over the planet, and have a host of A-list actors, each play multiple roles, each stretching beyond what Hollywood normally asks them to play, and can this ambitious epic manage to make none of the storylines even remotely interesting, evoke any sort of feeling, or even be possible to follow? The answer is yes. And that's not a new age law of attraction positivity warrior yes. It's a, this movie is a resounding piece of shit, yes. Cloud Atlas's six storylines are 
A 19th century lawyer's life is saved by a uh, is saved by a slave when the two are on board a ship. The lawyer is passenger, the slave is stowaway. The lawyer then becomes an abolitionist, but not before he's poisoned and robbed by the ship's doctor. Meanwhile, or later, or kind of meanwhile, because everything and everyone is connected, in 1936, an aspiring composer is working as a transcriber to an elderly counterpart, who finds out the younger fellow is bisexual and threatens to expose this. The ransom is the masterpiece composition by the younger man, which the old man wants to claim as his own. Oh, and by the way, the younger composer reads the journals of the 19th century lawyer. Meanwhile, in the grand sense, a journalist in 1973 is tipped off to a conspiracy involving a nuclear reactor. The informant is killed by an oil inter industry hitman, uh, and the informant was pen pals with the young composer. In 2012, a gangster writes a memoir, which is poorly received. The goon is especially bothered by one particularly scathing review, so he grabs that critic and throws him off the roof of a building. The gangster's brothers shake down the publisher, who proceeds to go into hiding, where he reads a manuscript based on the journalist's account of the nuclear conspiracy. The publisher's safe house is a nursing home, which he seeks to escape. In 2144, a humanoid clone works at a futuristic Hooters in a dystopian society. She's first exposed to the concept of rebellion by watching part of a movie about the publisher who bolts the old folks home. Rebel clones are turned into soap, but she is instead executed after telling her tale to an archivist. In 2321, a post-apocalyptic tribe in Hawaii worships the waitress martyr. An elite society pays a visit, but they suffer from a plague. A war breaks, breaks out and a bunch of people are killed. Interesting? Could be, but isn't. The filmmakers Lana and Andy Wachowski and Tom Tickwer failed to make any of the stories even remotely compelling. Full disclosure. The above synopsis, the above synopsis was written with the aid of the Wikipedia entry for the Cloud Atlas film, without which many of the plot points would not be mentioned here because they are presented so haphazardly, so boringly, and with such atrocious storytelling and editing that much of the film unspools onto a virtual projection room floor before it enters your consciousness. The Wachowskis are best known for the blockbuster action movies like The Matrix and its sequels and V for Vendetta. This is their attempt to make a more serious film, though they include plenty of car chases and gunfights amid the philosophizing, proselytizing, and navel-gazing. They clearly lack the depth to pull something like this off, but they fail here at basic storytelling. The casting of actors playing multiple roles is meant to illustrate either a notion of reincarnation or a more general, we are all connected. It doesn't really work and is strangely reminiscent of the 1957 Irwin Allen Curio, The Story of Mankind, wherein Peter Lorre plays Nero, Vincent Price plays the devil, Hedy Lamar is Joan of Arc, and Harpo Marx plays Sir Isaac Newton. It's understandable why stars like Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, Jim Broadbent, and Hugh Grant would want to take this on. They get to play contrasting characters, which they would never get to do outside of working in Summerstock or a Shakespeare festival. And this paid more and was clearly, it paid more. Broadbent does the best at keeping his characters grounded, but he is saddled with the least prosthetic makeup. In general, the acting is serviceable, but sometimes can't overcome the overwrought and often ridiculous dialogue. As alluded to earlier, the film takes itself extremely seriously about 99% of the time. When it's not wallowing in its own importance, it's jarringly jokey. Rather than organic comic relief coming out of human situations, the filmmakers resort to sight gags straight out of a Farrelly Brothers flick. 
Given these occasional lapses out of self-importance, it's surprising the directors didn't do a bit of stunt casting and have Shirley MacLaine play a role or two. Maybe she wisely turned them down. My score? Manifest making a better movie. Well, there you go. That seems like an... on the slightly on the negative side, uh, I, I, I had, a, I had like a few quibbles. Are, yeah, it seems like you uh, you were equivocating a bit about whether you enjoyed this movie or not. Um, so, yeah, I I am kind of with you. I thought it was a mess. Um, I did think it was uh, it had some stunning yeah, visuals. It was, it was good, good looking great. movie. Good looking movie look for sure. At. Yeah, really good looking movie. Um, you know the the Wachowski. Uh, sisters have uh a a very uh they have a a a great uh uh, eye for style they should really be um uh, i don't know they should they should be set designers on a they should be uh, they should be they should be they should be guest directors on project runway (laughs) yeah uh yeah something like that because they they do have a visual flair there were some some shots that were kind of really breathtaking you know uh, uh, there's a, a scene where one of the characters uh, uh goes off of a bridge in a volkswagen bug and it's yeah. uh, sinking to the bottom of a harbor and it was you know that was uh, it woke me up there was a, a thrilling thing happening in the middle of this mess of a movie um i i think that uh of all of the storylines uh, none of them were very satisfying none of them paid off in a way that made a lot of sense to me uh i think the best was uh i'd like to see a whole movie about a uh, an old guy whose brother locks him up in an old folks home and he has to plot uh plot an escape from it yeah like the, the great escape but for a bunch right. of i would agree that i think, I think that was that was the the only storyline that i found really remotely interesting the problem is that the structure of this movie is that once once they've established, and I use that term loosely, once they've sort of established the storylines, then the rest of the movie, you, you know, you'll spend anywhere from about 20 seconds to a minute and a half, you know, on, on a scene, and then it switches to another one. So they just, you never really get invested in any of the storylines because it just shifts gears and switches so often. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to get a ride to school when I was in high school uh, with a guy every day. Uh, I didn't want to ride the bus, and I had a neighbor who drove. And so, through my junior and senior years, he'd give me a ride to school in his car every day. And he had about seven radio stations that he liked, but he only liked them for about twenty seconds right, at a time. Right. So he was he was constantly stabbing those buttons on the radio to uh, shift to the next station, so you would only get to hear. Uh, twenty seconds of every song, uh, and and sometimes it would be a song you really liked. And you go oh, oh, oh and, and then it would be gone. And sometimes it was a song you hated, and then maybe thirty seconds of that, and then he'd stab the buttons again. And I kind of felt like I was trapped in one of those car rides again, where the the station just kept changing, and I could never get into a rhythm of enjoying or even hating anything I was. Right. Experiencing. You know, I it it occurred to me that even though I I didn't really find the storylines that interesting or really much of anything interesting. I sort of feel like this could work on stage, uh, you know, with actors playing multiple roles. Uh, and, and I think on stage, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such short attention span kind of thing. 
uh, you'd you'd have a little bit more of each storyline and 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 then switch to another. I think it could be very theatrical and really interesting. But you know, and again, it's not that it's not that this movie is a lost cause. It could have worked, but in this case, what they the finished product it it is as you said, it's a mess. Yeah, it it it's one of those few few movies that I see where I where I really say, "Wow, I bet, bet that was a heck of a book." Uh, I bet that book uh, uh, made a lot more sense and was a lot more enjoyable because I don't know it. Uh, uh, Kevin, what are you? What were your thoughts about Cloud Atlas? I thought, what a great idea! What a great idea! And it was a. Uh, I thought that the acting, again, a lot of great actors that didn't have a lot to do, unfortunately. The um, all those extra roles they got to play and those different characters was really fun to watch and enjoy. But unfortunately, I agree. The what got what got me with this movie was just the writing was not there, <laughs> so there was no supporting for all that great cinematography and a lot of good. Again, the best acting you could do with what they Agreed. were given. Yeah, yeah. Um, I disagree with you that the. I, I do think that I can see how you two old codgers would like the people escaping from the old folks' home. Um, but I thought that the really most fun part was the the futuristic part with the the girl who was the, the Hooters girl. <laughs> I like that that you said that by the way. Uh, but I like that the serving girl ended up being the leader of the revolution. Um, that whole story to me was the most interesting. Um, I liked the language of the futuristic group of the, you know, true, true. And that sort of, I like that, that language play was fun. A lot of neat little moments that just never, but it's just, like you said, it switched so fast. It was so all, hard to yeah, stay yeah, interested. Exactly. And, yeah, there, there, there uh, were these, that's struggled. what was kind of frustrating is there were these occasional interesting yeah. story threads yeah. or these, these details about something like that. And, um, and you never had time to let them any, take any root or or, or play right. out. Uh, the, I think that, it was know, it was uh, an idea. It was an idea of taking all these different ideas and putting them together in one movie in a clever way, but like clever humor, right. clever stand up. Problem is, it doesn't. It's not really funny. In this case, it wasn't interesting. And a lot of these storylines, I think, would have been great, as you say, as their own right, movies. Right. And the thing is, too, that when we say there's six different storylines, honestly, as I was watching it, it felt like twelve. Because these these are oh, these really? are complicated. Like these storyline. are complicated yeah. storylines. You know what the way we've we've you know we've we've capsulized them is is pretty simple. But these are fairly complex storylines that really yeah you do need to spend a little more time concentrated time on them than just constantly yeah. switching back and forth. And um, so I, I found it. It would have been good to have this, it would have been good to have this movie with three storylines. Right. As complicated as they were, and then have a sec, uh, have the sequel for sure. Yeah, the second, yeah, the, the other one that would have worked. Yeah, that would have worked. Cramming it way all better. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I, I think it also would have worked is like if, uh, uh, if this was like a limited series on on HBO or something. Yep. And uh, and each episode was a you know each one of these storylines was its own standalone yes. 90 yeah. minute movie, and, and even been, right. tying and, them and together as. as yeah, yeah, but yeah. as you get five or six episodes in, you, then you start to right, tie them right. together. Like, wait a second, Brilliant. he's reading the journal yeah, of the guy yeah. from that boat. And hang on a second, they're worshiping the dead waitress. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it would have been a great payoff if we, they would have let us work for it. If they would have we'll be pitching our own ideas story. to HBO next year. Yeah. So look forward to yeah, that. Uh, 
Yes, I'm. I'm pitching my uh, my our new update on cloud GPS, and uh, it, it's, <laughs> they could, they could, uh, it's the updated version of an atlas. Nobody has an atlas yeah. anymore. You just use <laughs> the, GPS. The, the, uh, the plague infested <laughs> residents of of the island could uh, cure the plague by drinking orange crush. Hey, yeah, and throwing yeah, themselves. But, that would, but they couldn't afford it, so they would be in a money pit. Oh. Okay. Oh, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> hey, what, what movie are we talking about next week on Hanks a Lot? We'll be rewatching The Money Pit and reviewing it again because <laughs> okay. it's so good. Okay, That's we're the be plan. Doing- I'll uh, I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, was uh, Money Pit was better than Cloud Atlas, uh, if I may. Give a it was sneak sneak preview to our next Hanks ranks. Uh, our next one would be one second. I'm pulling it up as we speak. Um, ah, wrong page. Here we go. Next is Captain Phillips. About, oh, well, you tell it what it's about. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, You're our host. You do it. This is uh, Captain Phillips. It it's is about uh, the inventor uh, of the uh, screwdriver. Uh, oh, before we go on, t- let's, mention, let's talk about no. the music. Let's talk about the music in Cloud Atlas. There oh, was music. It. There was music. Let's move on. Back to the Captain Phillips. <laughs> There was a, there was a song. Uh, there was an actual piece of music called uh, the the Cloud Atlas Sextet. Is that what it was called? Or the it was a uh, made up? No, it was a made up fake piece of music that was composed by one of the three composers that were in this this uh, movie. Two of which they've worked with before on things like The Matrix. Oh. And so, yeah, not particularly no, interesting. In I am opinion. curious because I'm you know one of the probably extreme minority among people who see movies who has never seen. The Matrix or any other movies by these directors. Oh, um, I mean, oh, do, do you sort of have to be? Does it help to be sort of familiar with their work or their style to be able to get into this movie? Because I did have yes. this feeling of I'm just kind of missing something here. Yes, yeah, you would have you would have seen like Kent already referenced it a little bit. Um, you would have a different perspective. I don't know if you'd like it any better mm-hmm. or worse, but it would give you sort of the feel for that end of the pool because it is its own thing. Um, there's quite a lot of Wachowski brothers movies uh, that are of varying degrees of complication. And uh, it would be, they definitely have their own style. Can't you jump in here? You don't bore me. No, I would say that they, they, they do like a, uh, uh, they favor a very, very complicated storytelling style, which works in various degrees. And a specific uh, they, visual style as well. The, uh, I think that they go from that that school of screenwriting where it's um, uh, start with the answer and work yeah. backwards towards yeah. the mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, yeah. so that the audience is always trying to catch up with the movie. And that can work really well if it's one storyline. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty hard to do that. Uh, five times uh, in the same sitting. Uh, But yeah, they, they do uh, like to present a puzzle box of a movie for you to kind of work out the, the connections and the relationships. Um, So, so in a sense, this is a movie with six framing devices. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, they, they presented their, I mean, we're getting a little off topic here, but just you can edit this out if you want to, Kent. But they they went to um, uh, they took a course uh, in uh, oh no, Pottery, never, never mind, I, never mind. Uh, no, I, I, I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna go into this. Let's not. Let's cut all this out. 
Let's talk right, about Captain good. Phillips. Captain Phillips is a uh, a movie about the, uh, the the guy who invented the popular Captain Phillips breakfast cereal uh, with crunch berries. Uh, it, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, it's a documentary. Yeah. yeah, it is a documentary about the the inventor of of Captain Phillips uh, uh, breakfast cereal. Oh, that's um, exciting! Yes. Uh, no, it is a uh, it, it's a story of of piracy uh, on the high seas. Uh, but not set in the old pirate days because they were afraid that Johnny Depp would show up if uh, <laughs> with a bowl of crunch berries. They were making a pirate movie, so um, yeah, uh, it is. Uh, uh, it's based on a true story. Uh, it's uh, we're getting into a, a a stretch of movies here where where Tom Hanks is playing actual historical figures. Uh, I think that we're going to be seeing some more of that coming up, uh, and. Uh, I've never seen it, and I, I hope it's better than Cloud Atlas. I do too. Uh, this is one Kent that I thought maybe you had seen this because this is kind of one of the ones that, as we we've talked about looming movies, you know, in the Tom Hanks canon. This is one that you've kind of teased me with. Like, oh, I'm looking forward to know, it. It seems like it's a cool idea. Up. So I want to. Apparently, it is based on a true yeah. story, and that sounds fun too. Indeed. Yep. Uh, so anyway, we will get to Captain Phillips next week. Uh, but we're going to leave you as we always do, uh, with a song in your heart and a, uh, and a fever and dream is, uh, about the cloud. Atlas. Kevin will be writing six songs for this episode. Is that correct? Yeah, but he's only performing 10 seconds of each and then mixing Got them it. all together, uh, in a wow. way that this makes it that, incomprehensible. That's ex- that's so, I, yeah. I rec, I recommend, I recommend seven dried grams of cybocelic mushrooms before you listen to the song. Yes, and, and, and give them some time to kick in. You don't want to. You don't want to rush. Oh it. no, yeah, you want to wait because it, yeah. yeah, it's not going to be that long of a song. All right, uh, cats and kittens, let's uh, let's uh, pack up our Hanks bags until next week, and we will see you for Captain Phillips right here on the Hanks a Lot podcast. Enjoy this beautiful song by Mr. Kevin <laughs> Dennis, and we will talk to you next time. Hanks a lot. This song welcomes back Avery Hilt with vocals and the female spoken part. Thank you, Avery. She came in at the very last minute and made it all work. Fantastic. It's a crusade, slaying the dragon Stuck in an elevator, birthmark bandwagon Disobedient death in the Papa Song crew The weak are meat and the strong do eat, true true Alchemy murder, cult hero to the common man Across the bridge of time for all the clans So many stories that beg the soul to unfasten. Defiant server escapes and finds a nuclear assassin. Bridge a broken hide below. I was here another lifetime ago. From womb to tomb, we are bound to others. Past, present, future, neo-soul smothers. Pain strong, friends I more strong. 
known music that cannot be known all along. My life extends beyond the limitations of me. Those who lose freedom know what it is to be free. Yesterday I wouldn't believe what I believe today. Those who spurn love feel the real doomsday. Well, you made it through another episode of Hanks Alive, the Tom Hanks podcast. Our show is recorded and mastered at Cliffside Studios in Spokane, Washington. Your hosts are Trace Oakley, Kevin Dennis, and me, Kent Shelton. Please send corrections, comments, and indecent proposals to hankspodcast at gmail.com. Tom Hanks has not been consulted or compensated and knows nothing about what goes on here. All music used on the show is composed and performed by our own Mr. Kevin Dennis. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Come back next week and bring your sister. And please rate and review us on your favorite podcast catcher. Hanks for the sport. And goodbye. Goodbye.